Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful to us, forgives our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unbelief. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in bringing these children to be baptized, you are observing what the will of our Lord is. He commanded baptism, saying in the last chapter of Matthew, Go therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And again, the word of God says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, for this promise is unto you and to your children. This child, or these children, as all others, were not born with faith. That is, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, infants, though seemingly innocent, are, according to Scripture, by birth and nature sinful. They cannot, therefore, by their own reason or by their own strength, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to him. And yet, faith in Christ is essential for salvation. For our Lord Jesus himself, no one comes unto the Father, he said, but by me. And again, Scripture says that we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we can never thank God enough. It is made holy baptism that means by which His Holy Spirit creates faith in Christ within the hearts of these children. And so the Apostle of the Lord says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death. And again, He says, All of us who have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So today, we again see God here working. We see God here regenerating that which is spiritually dead, for Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration. Baptism is God's gracious work. It's not ours. 
And through it, the Christian life of worship has its beginning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Observe then, see now the grace and the mighty work of our merciful God. Destiny, Lynn Bach, receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon thy forehead and in thy heart as a mark that you have been redeemed by Christ the crucified. Max Richard Marceau, receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon your both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Before baptizing Max and Destiny into the triune God, I ask you parents and sponsors here present to bear witness to and publicly pledge that you will faithfully remember these children in your prayers, put them in mind of their baptism so that they would not forget what God graciously has begun herein, and sponsors that you will give counsel and aid, especially should these children lose their parents, that they may be brought up in the true knowledge and worship of God and be taught the Ten Commandments and the Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And that as they grow in years, you place the sacred scriptures into their hands and, and bring them to the services of God's house, provide for further instruction in the Christian faith, and that they may come to the sacrament of Christ's body and blood and thus abiding in baptismal grace, and in communion with the church, they may grow up to lead a godly life to the praise and to the honor of Jesus Christ. This then you intend gladly and willingly to do, if so answer by saying yes with the help of God. Yes, with the help of God. God enable you to will and to do these works of his love and with his grace fulfill all that we of ourselves are unable to do. Sponsors, I now ask you to answer in the name and the stead of, this, of these children the questions I will now address to them. In order that all here might be reminded of what repentance and faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit here today works in these children to glorify or to the glory of God the Father. Destiny Lynn Bach and Max Richard Marceau, do you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways? If so, say, I do renounce them. I do renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? If so, say, I do. I do. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. If, I, if you do believe, then declare it by saying, I do. I do. And do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting? If so, say, I do. I do. Will you be baptized then into this holy Christian faith? If so, say, I will. I will. I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
are so, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, into whom these children have been baptized, we thank you for working so wonderfully today in their lives by your Holy Spirit working through your word and water to create faith in Christ within them. To the end that they might be forever with you in heaven, we pray that you would keep them in this faith steadfast, even unto the end. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
the anointed for the nations and their Savior. Come and save us, O Lord our God. In peace, let us pray to the Lord.
your power, O Lord, and come. And help us by your might that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of Holy Scripture. Our Old Testament reading for this, the fourth Sunday in Advent, is from the prophet Isaiah, the seventh chapter. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, the first chapter. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, to whom the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
coming and birth once lifted by God's grace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Holy Gospel, the first chapter of St. Matthew, these words, And Joseph arose from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Introducing the sermon text last Sunday, you'll recall that I made reference to the famous A Christmas Carol written by the 19th century literary master Charles Dickens at a time when he was challenged in his life by strong doubts about his future. Doubts similar indeed to those that we then saw were entertained briefly by John the Baptist in our text last week as sitting in prison. Remember he sent word to Jesus saying, are you the Christ or should we be expecting another? Interestingly, A Christmas Carol isn't the only masterpiece that Dickens wrote that begins on Christmas Eve and addresses important issues in life with which most of us would be able to identify. Another Dickens masterpiece does as well. Perhaps some of you have read it. It's entitled Great Expectations. The story of Pip, an orphan boy, adopted by a blacksmith family, who has good fortune and great expectations, then he loses both fortune and his great expectations are dashed, and yet through his rise and his fall, he discovers real happiness. He learns the meaning of friendship. He learns the meaning of selfless love, and of course, his life in the end is better for it. Charles Dickens' great expectations. The reason that Dickens' Great Expectations eventually became one of the most popular of his works is because his basic message, like that of A Christmas Carol, strikes a chord within us all, doesn't it? How often it happens, and undoubtedly in your experience as well, how often it has happened that you have had great expectations for yourself or for someone else or for some situation or circumstance in life, great expectations only to have them dashed to pieces, dashed to pieces by your own sins or by the sins of others or by the circumstances of the sinful world in which we live, but great expectations that we have dashed to pieces. Talk about shattered expectations. Joseph, in our text for today, was a man who entertained great expectations undoubtedly and then had them shattered. Here's a man who most assuredly experienced the crushing blow of dreams shattered, even of promises that were broken. Months before, he had, remember, committed himself in marriage to Mary, and she, before God and family, had committed herself to him in a legally binding relationship, even though they weren't cohabitating yet. They were, nevertheless, joined together legally. He had committed himself to her and she to him in that legal ceremony described in this way by a biblical scholar. Listen to this. He says, Betrothal among the Jews was and is a solemn affair. 
It denoted the satisfactory completion of negotiations between two families, and it assumed the consent of the young couple concerned with respect to the financial arrangements for their marriage made for them and on their behalf by their respective parents. Contrary to modern Western customs, with their betrothal, their legal relationship to each other became already that of a married couple, with all of the consequences entailed, save that they were not yet living together under the same roof and would not be doing so for an agreed-upon period until the time of the home-taking ceremony. In the case of a virgin, he says that was often a year or more. So Mary and Joseph had been betrothed to each other, but it would be a year or more before the home-taking ceremony, before they would cohabit with one another. The vows of betrothal had been made. All that remained was for time to pass. And during that time, undoubtedly, both were becoming more and more anxious. And then on the designated day, finally, that expectation would be met. And the home-taking, as it was called, would occur. And Joseph, all dressed in celebratory garments, accompanied by jubilant family, by joyous friends, would process down the streets of Nazareth and finally go to Mary's house, escort her back to her new home, where together they would dream of things to be and of things that they would do together to make their expectations become reality. But then suddenly, suddenly and seemingly out of nowhere at all appears to be shattered in one horrific event. One humiliating blow for Joseph, the young woman to whom he has linked so many of his hopes and whom he has made so many great expectations is found to be with child. And the child isn't his. Who better than Joseph would know? What do you do about that? What began as such a promise suddenly ends so abruptly, so cruelly, so bitterly. Because after all, love lost hurts badly enough, but love betrayed hurts so much more. How did Joseph discover that Mary was with child? We really don't know how he did. Joseph surely doesn't tell us himself, because Joseph, you see, is a very quiet, silent man. Indeed, not a word of Joseph. Think about that in Scripture. Not a single word of Joseph is ever recorded. As important as a figure as he may be, not a single word of Joseph is ever recorded in Scripture. He's what we might call a saint of silence. But St. Matthew tells us that Joseph finds out and he apparently finds out sometime before most of the others in Nazareth do. Did Mary speak to him directly or privately about it? Some scholars believe that she may have spoken to him directly. Other scholars say, no, that couldn't have happened because back then those who were betrothed, not really cohabitating yet, couldn't really communicate freely with one another. They had to do it through another called a pronube, one who was selected to be a communicator between those who were betrothed. Whatever and however, Joseph did find out that Mary was with child 
And if he was told either by Mary directly or indirectly by the Pronube that the child in her womb was the result of the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit, even as the angel had told her, it appears that Joseph simply didn't believe what Mary had to say. And so scripture says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, a good man, didn't want to expose her to any kind of public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her privately, quietly. There were two ways to do it, privately or publicly. Publicly was a way that brought about great shame, obviously, for the woman being divorced. He didn't believe Mary, though. He didn't believe her story. Don't be too hard on him, would you? How often does it happen that virgins give birth? What are the odds? One in how many billion? Never in the history of mankind had it happened. Never would it happen again. It's a one-time event because of the uniqueness of that one time in history when God becomes man. That had never happened before, and it would never happen again. And so it's marked by a birth that had never happened before, and that would never happen again, a virgin birth. But at first, Joseph wouldn't believe it. The good man, but it just goes to show that as good as a man might be, it doesn't mean that because you're a good man that you're going to believe everything that you should believe. Joseph, you see, judged the situation at hand as any good man would with logical thinking on the basis of facts that were presented to him, facts which he then filtered through the sieve of his own human reason and concluded, no, this just isn't so. All that human reason can conclude was that virgin births don't happen. And so it couldn't be, as Mary had said. So he has but two options. The harsher one, as I mentioned, legally charge her with adultery before a public court, which would then make her into a public example to be shamed and to be shunned and possibly even to be stoned, according to the laws of the Old Testament. Or he could simply quote, put her away privately. No public charge before a public court. Simply a private letter of divorcement without formally stating any cause. Joseph, being the kind of man that he was, chose the latter. But before being able to put it into effect, something else dramatically happens. His mind is changed. In nearly an instant of time, his mind is irrevocably changed and altered what he couldn't believe because of the ordinary word of an ordinary person, even of Mary, his betrothed. He does now come to believe because of the extraordinary word of God that was brought to him by an extraordinary revelation of an extraordinary angel. But it took God to do the work. Joseph wouldn't believe on his own. He couldn't believe on his own any more than you and I would. He believes only because God reveals it to him, because God comes to him. Remember what our Lord Jesus would later tell Peter when Peter boldly confessed Christ before men and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father 
which is in heaven. Well, the same could have been said of Joseph, who believed only because God, through an angel, had revealed it to him and enabled him to believe and then ultimately to confess what he did. Joseph believed, not because he was a good logical man who was able to put all of the pieces together in some logical way, as a good man who undoubtedly knew, as we heard today the Old Testament lesson, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, but no, that can't happen to me. It took the work of the Holy Spirit to change his disbelief into belief. Fear not, Joseph, thou son of David, the angel said, to take Mary as thy wife, for that which conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Amazing, isn't it? It's miraculous indeed, the great expectations which Joseph had for his life with Mary. Think about the expectations that he must have had. Whatever those expectations with Joseph had for his life with Mary, whatever they may have been, they paled in comparison to now what was going to happen for Joseph in his life with Mary. You can be sure that no matter what his expectations were for his life with Mary, they didn't include being the foster father of God incarnate, of God on earth. No matter how great his expectations for his career as a carpenter, you can be sure they didn't include teaching God to use a hammer and a plane. The recent birth of a, a grandson to my, my daughter and to her, my son-in-law, who was a carpenter and a contractor, reminded me of how my wife Barbara put it in the Christmas musical that she had written years ago. A modern father, a carpenter, is sitting on a stool. There's a spotlight on him. He's holding his firstborn son in his arms. And this is what he says and sings. What would it be like to have Jesus for a son? Would I see the glory there shine on everyone? What would it be like to teach him wood and stone? What would it be like for me with Jesus in my home. Think about it for Joseph. What were Joseph's expectations? Whatever they may have been before the angelic visitation and revelation to him, you can be sure it didn't include having the Son of God in his home, raising him as his own son. However great they may have been, you can be sure they didn't include teaching the one who with a simple word had made the whole universe and everything in it now to do carpenter's things and to build things with a hammer and plane. God's plans for Joseph far exceeded the greatest expectations that Joseph have ever had. And you can be sure that Joseph never thought that he'd be naming a child of his, what he was told he was to name the child, had it been the son of his own flesh and blood, had it been his biological son, it wouldn't have been Jesus he named him. It would have been either Jacob, the name of his father, or Joseph, his own name. But no, the angel said, you shall call him Jesus. Why? Because it comes from Hebrew, Yahshua, which means God saves. And that's there what God was doing. God was there to save his people from their sins. You see, no matter what great expectations Joseph may have had for the sons, that his wife would bear him, you can be sure that none of them came close to being what Jesus would be. And doing what Jesus would do, he shall save his people from their sins. Foster father Joseph undoubtedly taught Jesus to work with hammers and nails and wood. 
but only as Father above, the Father of whom his divine nature is eternally begotten, could place his only begotten Son upon a cross to become the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, for your sins and for mine, for those of all people. And that, you can be sure, exceeded Joseph's greatest expectations of what anyone living in his home would ever do. And you know something? Joseph didn't even see, live to see his foster son there upon a cross. He didn't live to see that very probably. And in that way, Joseph was very much like us. He didn't live to see the cross event. Had he, you can be sure that he would have been there with Mary at the foot of the cross. But he wasn't there. Very probably because he had died sometime much, much earlier. But you can be sure that when he was with Jesus in his home, that he had heard all that Jesus had said concerning his divine task and his divine destiny, as was foretold by the prophets. And Joseph believed him. And very probably Joseph died with Mary and with Jesus at his side, knowing that his greatest expectations of what would be would only be exceeded by Jesus in death, even as they had been in life. And so it is for us, dear friends, Jesus here with us, as with Joseph, preparing us for that place that he has prepared for us. It's happening still. And as he does, we still sit still, listening in faith like silent Joseph did. And the Lord Jesus still speaks to us through his word. As you hear it, even he spoke to Joseph through the word that he heard. And we call him Lord, as Joseph did, and Son of God, Son of David, as Joseph did. And he responds to us, and he gives us, as he gave to Joseph, far more abundantly than all that we can ever ask or think. And like Joseph, we too, dear friends, have been many times right here at table with him. His very body and blood presence is real to us here as it was for Joseph there. That by his grace, we like Joseph of old may in due time have much, much more than eye here hath seen and ear here hath heard. And hath here ever entered into the minds of men those things that God has prepared for those who love him. All of those things which, because of Jesus, far exceed even our greatest expectations. Be prepared in your heart to celebrate Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs, we pray. Lord of the Church, for your holy Christian Church, we pray that all pastors would faithfully preach and the lips of your people daily confess Jesus Christ as the world's Savior from sin, and that all her members rejoice in the miracle of God, your Son, become flesh for our salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. King of kings and Lord of lords, we thank you for granting us stability in our land and establishing our president and legislatures and courts to maintain civil peace in our country. Grant our leaders favor and help them to serve according to your will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who serve and care for others, including police officers and firefighters, health care workers, and all others who give of themselves to assist their neighbors in need, give them patience and strength in the services that they render. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Visit all those afflicted with infirmities or illness or preparing for treatment, including the infirmed and homebound members of this congregation. Bless also Ali Becker, who undergoes major surgery this week, and be with Brother in Christ Gilbert Buchholz, who has been very weakened over the course of these last days. Bless them that they would not fear in the midst of their suffering, but take refuge in the one who himself became our flesh and is therefore able to sympathize with all our infirmities. And give them and us faith until that day that you bid our faith give way to sight at last in heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of highest consolation, hear our fervent prayer for all those who mourn, especially for Jeannie Albrand and her family at another death of a loved one this past week. Bless those who mourn and comfort them and uphold all of them with your calming and yet sturdy hand. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, whose pleasure it is to save. We thank you that today you have drawn unto yourself Max Richard Marceau and Destiny Lynn Bach through the blessed waters of holy baptism. Keep and sustain them throughout life in the Christian faith, that encouraged by their parents and sponsors and their Christian family in the church, these may grow in the faith to your praise and glory and to their eternal good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those drawing near to receive your blessed supper this day, we pray that they may firmly, firmly believe that you are with them and rightly acknowledge the incarnate Christ in flesh and blood, in, with, and under what we today receive, so that receiving it in faith we might be certain we receive it to the forgiveness of our every sin. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As it once did, the shepherds who were busy about their daily lives in this next week, again, let your heaven-sent word of peace direct the eyes of all to the Christ of the cradle and the cross. And there in the manger behold their salvation. God become flesh for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, into your loving and almighty hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you.
truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared, proclaiming him the promised Messiah, the very Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and calling sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Lord Jesus Christ, our King and our Redeemer, to whom your faithful people have ever cried, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Grant that with grateful hearts we too may join in the songs of praises of those in heaven and earth who rejoice at your coming. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.